This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Economic progress, ethics, and social entrepreneurship are three themes that have long had a place on the agenda of the World Economic Forum. Well before phrases like subprime lending had crossed the lips of bankers and Wall Street investors, but how can these and other global topics remain relevant during today's market turbulence? To answer that question, Knowledge at Wharton spoke with Gilbert Prost, WEF Managing Director and Dean of the Geneva-based Nonprofit Think Tank's Global Leadership Fellows Program. Tiffany West, Associate Director and Global Leadership Fellow Program Development Team, and Anna Corinna Sepulveda, Project Manager for the WEF's Global Education Initiative. As you know, the the world economy today has been in uh, a financial crisis for a while. And uh, the World Economic Forum has had such a a global uh, and wonderful role to play in, in encouraging conversations among world leaders on these issues. So I wonder if we could start a little bit about talking about uh, the World Economic Forum and what you try and accomplish at Davos and how some of this has changed as a result of the financial crisis. Okay. Well, first of all, I think um, it's difficult to say how much has really changed, but I think the role becomes more and more important if you look what the role of the forum is and was in uh, since in, in the, its existence is really to build up partnerships to shape the global or the regional uh, and industry agendas. And the role was always to say we are kind of like entrepreneurs in a global public interest where you think that economic progress needs at the same time social development to be sustainable and that this goes hand in hand or differently said that we always thought and even more so now of course with the crisis that uh, our challenges of, uh, of today cannot be solved or met by governments or business or civil society alone so that there is really a huge interdependence and um, that it needs in that sense really uh, collaborative efforts to deal with uh, today's issues. And in that sense, I think it was always there, but it has really accelerated. And Tiffany can probably say much more if, if we think of Davos or, or our experience of the last years, what has changed uh, um, in the discussions, in the way we maybe also organize uh, the, the partnerships or the, the um, people that we get together. Mm-hmm. Sure. The, I think what's interesting is if you look at the themes of our annual meeting over the past 10 years, there's been very much a change to connecting the dots. How do we collaborate with each other? Um, how do we come out of a crisis by working together? So what, in our programs, what we've done is really tried to highlight this notion that all the different sectors, all these different stakeholders must be working together to address all of these global issues because, as Gilbert said, you can't address these alone anymore. So what we try to do is put in place a mechanism for these top-level people to come together and really start the dialogue, start those discussions happening so that then those conversations can trickle down through all of their organizations to... um, 
to help shape what comes out a few months later. Uh, that's very interesting, mm -hmm. Tiffany. Uh, uh, and I know you are actively involved in developing content for uh, for the forums. Uh, how have the themes changed, uh, or, or mm -hmm. do you find there's more emphasis on the same themes? Mm -hmm. No, I, the themes have changed, and I think that what we try to do is always be very topical in terms of what our members, but also just the global public, are interested in learning about as well. And some things that have really come up in the last couple of years are, for instance, what are the new values? We have gone into a crisis situation that was mainly caused by a loss of sense of value. So what are the new values that are going to be coming out going forward? Um, second, how do we identify and mitigate risks going forward? Obviously, we did not do a very good job of that going into the crisis, um, so we need to get much better at that in the future. Um, next, I would say, how do we build effective institutions? You know, one of the things that we're working on as the forum overall is an initiative called the Global Redesign Initiative. And what that's examining is how do we redesign institutions, not just Bretton Woods or UN institutions, but uh, institutions that are more on the soft side as well. And then I guess the final thing that I would add there is, you know, how do we ensure sustainability going mm -hmm. forward? That's not a new topic, I wouldn't say, but you know, every year it comes more and more to the forefront of what our members and I think also the global public hold our members to as one of their main responsibilities. Tiffany, mm -hmm. I'm sorry if I jump in, but is, isn't <laughs> but it also um, that the topics are not necessarily that new. And I think it's, it's really important to see that we realized with the financial crisis what globalization really means and where we are. In a way, we, there's much more awareness now uh, what it means to say it is global. And really that this increasingly interconnected world uh, suddenly showed up what, it, what, what, the, what the impact is. And when we say the world is complex, sorry, but we, as professors, this is 20 years that we say the world is more, is complex. This is in every foreword. I wrote this the last 20 years. Um, but I think we <clears throat> now realize that complexity really um, asks us to be different in our leadership, in the way we collaborate, in the way we solve problems. Um, and that no longer a single leader or a nation or, or um, an organization can face alone the global issues and that uh, the dynamics have completely changed. Mm -hmm. But what is in interesting in Davos is that many of the issues we had in the last years are still there. And I even think it was important in the financial crisis um, that these issues like climate change or terrorism or water scarcity and water distribution, etc., are still on the agenda and actually are dealt with. And it is not only financial crisis. So it is not to solve the financial crisis alone. And I, it would be interesting, mm -hmm. Tiffany, just mm -hmm. to say what has changed, what was maybe different in the last Davos meeting and what, what, what might be different also in the next one. Mm -hmm. Um, specifically on those global issues, the non-financial ones, or yeah, or also to keep all these 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 issues to uh, on the agenda mm -hmm. and how to deal with because there's also risk, of course, that we now all are focused on the, the financial crisis alone and think we have just to fight to to solve the financial crisis. Yeah, no, that's, well, that's not true. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's why 
you know, when, when I was mentioning sustainability, that's definitely one of those key issues that it cannot fall off of the global agenda. And we always make very sure that we are not focusing too much on the economy. Yes, it's the World Economic Forum, but all of the other issues end up affecting the economy as well. And I think that what is different now is how we address those issues. So it's kind of, I don't want to repeat what Gilbert has said, but yes, it is how we must all be working together at this point in time. And, and if I could just sort of uh, make a comment on what was just said, uh, it, it's not so much uh, you know talking about the economy, but also you know how how the state of the economy affects the ability uh, that individuals and companies have to respond to. Uh, the complexity of globalization. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, globalization now will reveal itself not just in the way derivatives affect banks in one mm -hmm. country and another, but also the way in which pandemics spread. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and 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 but the way in which people respond will differ mm -hmm. on you know what kind of economic climate we're looking mm -hmm. looking at. Mm -hmm. so, so thank you for a great summary of the the key themes that that. Uh, you will be focusing on. Now, in addition to the ones that were mentioned, one sort of evergreen theme is is the, the whole field of entrepreneurship, specifically in the area of wealth creation in emerging economies. Mm -hmm. And Anna, I believe you've been focusing on, on that to some mm -hmm. degree. Could you tell us a little bit about what you've been working on and, and how, how that fits in with the overall World Economic Forum's Program. Certainly. Um, um, as you mentioned, the, the financial crisis brought a lot of anxiety and a lot of nervousness worldwide. But it also showed us uh, potential opportunities, not only for working together, but also reassessing priorities and establishing linkages. And at the Global Education Initiative of the World Economic Forum, we started looking at this linkage that exists between entrepreneurship, education, and economic development in 2007. And we institutionalized or we created a new work stream within our initiative uh, that looks specifically at how, at how to create the new generation of entrepreneurs that are going to create jobs and are going to help us through the recovery. But not only that, but are also ones that are going to make an impact on society because those have to be one-on-one. Um, -on -one. Perhaps I have to step back a little bit and give a little bit of an overview of what the Global Education Initiative is, and then I move a little bit to the details of this work on entrepreneurship education. Sure. Um, probably the Davos is our flagship and the thing we're known most for, um, uh, but the ultimate mission of the World Economic Forum is uh, this commitment to improve the state of the world, and we do that, as Tiffany and, and Gilbert said, by bringing leaders together to discuss issues on the global regional industry agendas, but also shaping those agendas by addressing issues and specific initiatives. Education is one of those issues. Corruption is another one. Um, risk is another one. Um, health, water. Um, and then um, in the particular case of education, we started in 2003 um, at one of those magic moments that happens in Davos behind closed doors. Um, a group of CEOs, particularly from the IT and telecommunications together, uh, uh, had the idea of uh, doing something for education worldwide. And that's how this whole thing started six years ago. The mission of the initiative is to help governments um, create sustainable, relevant, and scalable education sector plans through collaboration and partnerships, which is the, 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 the mantra of the forum, and through engagement of business sector and other stakeholders. 
And uh, so far, the initiative has mobilized $100 million in resource support and impacted over 1.8 million students and teachers. It's one of the initiatives that has very strong um, action-oriented focus at the forum, uh, in particular in the Middle East, uh, in Jordan, Egypt, uh, the Palestinian territories, also in the state of Rajasthan in India, and last year in Rwanda. Um, but then, again, as just going back to make the linkage with entrepreneurship education, in 2007 we started thinking, you know, what is the business case of education? Why we have to rethink the way in which we're, we're educating people? How we, no, it's not only important educating people, but educating them for what? What is the ultimate purpose? And then we started this work stream. Um, on April 23rd this year, we launched the report. Um, it's called Educating the Next Wave of Entrepreneurs. Um, it has the support of our uh, steering board member companies, Goldman Sachs, one of them, um, with a strong focus on youth. What are the things you need to teach people when they are young to become entrepreneurial? Um, also, um, a, a strong focus on higher education. What we, the message we try to convey there is um, entrepreneurship should not be limited only to business um, schools-related careers, but it has to be across all disciplines. And how we reach out to socially excluded groups like women and like people in disadvantaged communities. Great. I think, by the way, this is um, it's a good example of also maybe how the, the forum changes at the moment. Um, the idea really is that we need coordinated approaches, that we need a lot more, more co collaboration, or Tiffany said that all the stakeholders are involved. And what, what it gets important here is that we, we not only have to build communities where the forum is really an expert in, I mean, building, creating communities, maintaining communities, but you know, where you have a community of, of thought leaders, where you have a community of religious leaders, where you have a community of women leaders or media, etc., or industries. But more and more, it's really a question of getting all the stakeholders involved across um, the, all the dimensions, all the disciplines uh, to work together. And, and if the examples that Anna just mentioned is, is typical also the, the creation of public-private partnerships where the different stakeholders are really involved to, to, to discuss. So it's not an isolated way of communities. It, it is, again, also getting all the, the communities to, 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 to take leadership in, 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 global, in global issues that we have of today. And I think that's, there, there might be something that uh, these, these coordinated approaches and, and going across the, the different communities um, brings us also again to... to, uh, to manage it differently and, and um, really to create these partnerships or collaborative um, tools. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think the forum is very good at is, is bringing people together around common issues and themes and creating the partnerships and communities that you just mentioned, Gilbert. Uh, but uh, especially in stressful times, this is not easy because people tend to focus on their own self-interest much more than the common interest. Uh, how have you tried to get around these kinds of barriers and challenges, and uh, uh, how, how do you deal with them when they come up? Well, I think that we are actually quite lucky in that our constituents, just by sheer fact of the that they are members of the World Economic Forum, are already convinced that they need to be talking to all of these different mm -hmm. stakeholders. So. 
we, we are lucky in that way. But in terms of how we're able to do that elsewhere, I think it really is through initiatives such as the Global Education Initiative or Global Health Initiative, where we can take that outside of the World Economic Forum, outside exactly. of our membership base, and say, you know, here's an example that is successful. Um, so when, whenever you can prove to a constituent group uh, that that there are ways of working that are different from what they're used to or different from this insular way of looking, I think that really helps break down those barriers. So what would be two or three of the top examples that come to mind that have come about as a result of the kind of collaboration that the World Economic Forum has brought about? Well, perhaps I could uh, particularly talk about my initiative. <clears throat> one of those and uh, is perhaps one of the ones that our initiative is famous for is the Jordan Education Initiative, how this whole thing started there, and um, that was bringing together private sector and public sector, an evolution of the Jordan Education Initiative, and just going back to the point that Tiffany was making, for those communities that were not yet members or are not yet members of the forum, is what we're doing right now in Rwanda. In Rwanda, we kind of spread the model, not only public and private sector, but also the donor community, all those international organizations that are present in the country, that are doing things that are helpful for the government, how we can bring all together aligned and help the Ministry of Education in this particular case to have um, their priorities um, aligned and their plans aligned. So these are just two examples, for example, mm -hmm. uh, within my, my work that are um, um, an illustration of how we reach out to different groups and, and bring them together to a common goal. Those are great examples. Mm -hmm. Any others? I, I think in general it is, for me, fascinating to observe how... Um, the communities that we have, and there are strong communities, and I'm thinking of the young global leaders, so the leaders all over the world and in all kinds of dimensions of leadership under 40 uh, that are a very strong community as such, or the social entrepreneurs that is a community uh, that is, of course, also um, led by community leaders and young global uh, young fellows that uh, in, in our program, by the way, that, uh, that are involved with that. But they, they all get involved more and more in all the global issues in the discussions in Davos, in the discussions in the regional meetings. So that managing, for instance, the, the future of water needs, what is an initiative, or the Business Alliance Against Chronic Hunger, what is another initiative, or the, the, the initiatives that Anna just mentioned, that these people really are involved in these initiatives uh, so that these communities are not like in an isolated way saying we are tech pioneers and we meet, we are young global leaders and we meet and, and have our, our issues, but they are involved in the initiatives. And they're also, and that is, I think, a, a, a development we saw the last few years, they are also completely involved now in the Davos meeting. So a lot of the young global leaders and a, a big number, they're way over 100 are at the, in Davos, that the social entrepreneurs, they do not have their own meeting. They are in Davos. They are in the Middle East meeting. They are in the African meeting. So they, they get, this is really thinking across disciplines. And that's, that's exactly what it needs. Uh, if you take the Business Alliance Against Chronic Hunger, it is, it is really, really um, kind of an alliance, a public-private partnership where you see that it is cross-industry. It's multi-stakeholder initiatives. 
uh, include the same for honors. It is not just like people that are in education are involved, that you have all the stakeholders. And this, this, is, a, this is a fascinating development that, that we can observe, or that I observed the last few years. No, and Gilbert, I think it's a really good point that you bring up and how we bring in these different views of the young global leaders, the social entrepreneurs, for instance. And I think the way that really plays out in Davos is they become kind of anchors for the Davos community um, in that the examples that they can provide mm -hmm. are much more tangible and much more accessible to the average person than you know some of the, the very large corporations. So we really like to get those examples in there just to, to show that you know there are different ways of looking at the world and that business is not just big business. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, clearly there was a time when you heard about the World Economic Forum and all that came to mind was Davos. Mm -hmm. uh, as you all have said, clearly it has gone into a many new directions with a lot of new initiatives and partnerships focused mm -hmm. on a whole range of issues. If you were to think the five to ten years in the future, where do you see you know, uh, the future of these conversations going? What kind of new issues and challenges and partnerships will the World Economic Forum be looking at? If, if I could turn to each of you and ask you to offer your thoughts. <laughs> Well, I, I started because that is easy, then I'll leave all the, 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 the answers really to uh, Anna and Tiffany. But I think for me, important is actually rather the next five to ten years to create the global leaders, so the, the, the new generation of leaders. I think we, in that sense, that we need a new generation of leaders that have a different approach uh, that deal with really with complexity and know what complexity means, that, lear that learned uh, what it means collaboration, because it's easy to talk about public-private partnerships, but we were not trained like this. We, we were not trained to have a stakeholder approach, even if, if it is in the books for the last 20 years, but it was not something that we learned uh, as leaders, um, that we act as a global community and we, we understand as a leader uh, our role in a, in, a, in a global community, uh, in a global context, and that we really learn also to, to have all stakeholders involved where, where we literally practice and, 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 and do involve clients and government and suppliers and employees, uh, you name it, you know, in, into the, 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 the issues. And that's where I think we probably then, if we, we, we can create this, and by the way, the Global Leadership Fellows Program that we have internally has this goal to create the, the, the future global leaders. Um, if we really get there, then we should have different topics and different issues. But difficult to say how they look like in five to ten years. I, I, would not, I, I just hope that we have a better or a different leadership uh, at that time. Okay. Um, <laughs> go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I have here for that. <laughs> um, I think what I would hope to see five years out is that collaboration would now be the norm. That we would no longer have to be doing the convincing that this is the way that we all need to be working together. Because I think that we right now are spending so much energy um, convincing people that this is the way of the future that. Um, 
we could be spending that time better on actually addressing the issues themselves rather than just on how to address them. So that I think that would be my big hope is that we just don't have to do that convincing anymore. Yeah, um, thinking 10 years out, so that would be 2019, almost <laughs> 2020, Millennium Development Goals, hopefully by 2015 achieved. In particular, I refer to them because of the education, and education for all goals will also be achieved by then, hopefully. So four years out of that date, um, we will be looking at, you know, where's the gaps, where have some of them have perhaps not been achieved. In terms of education, I concur with what uh, Tiffany is saying. I wish that by 2020 we don't have to do more convincing for governments, private, civil society, that education is important, is a central part of economic development and social development worldwide. Um, and I think that the conversations that we, and we're planting the seeds for those conversations to happen in 2020 um, with, the, with the Global Agenda Councils, the groups of people that are shaping the issues. Education systems is one of those, and that's going to fit into what uh, Tiffany was talking about, the redesign initiative. So by 2020, I think the conversation is going to be around um, a spread of more, more technology and how technology has impacted education, um, what are the countries or areas of the world that are still left out, how we can leverage um, that spread of technology to learn some things like peace, coexistence, um, shape things that we're, we're teaching, and uh, again, more, more collaborative approaches. Great. I know we're almost out of time, but I have one last question for each of you. It's a very personal question. You spend a lot of time thinking about collaboration and leadership uh, at the World Economic Forum. Uh, what is the one leadership lesson that you have learned through your work in the World Leadership Forum that you use on a regular basis in your work? Anna, start with you. Um, uh, one leadership lesson. Um, I think um, one of the things that has been very important to me, and that has I have learned that in the last one and a half years through the work of entrepreneurship education, um, and I have learned that precisely from the young global leaders and the social entrepreneurs is, as corny as it sounds, to believe in in that the belief of the idea that you have, you have to 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 work very hard towards it. If, if you believe strongly on that, and uh, don't give up, the entrepreneurs have this quality that when they see a wall, they don't try to think how do I bring that wall down. They they, they try to think how do I bring the wall, the wall down. Not how many other people say oh there is a wall there there is an obstacle. They are convinced on the idea and they try to 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 empower people around them to bring that wall down. So that for me has been um, a leadership skill or a leadership lesson. Uh, in learned at the forum. And the if you don't years. bring the wall down, you might also be able to climb over it or dig under it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Entrepreneurs are good at that. Yeah. Gilbert, yeah. do you have any thoughts? Well, actually, I have um, learned that, first of all, I have to apply what I teach, <laughs> what, is, what was probably the most difficult thing to learn. Uh, because it's easy to, to you know to tell what's, what is in the books and what you observe or what one should do, but uh, to practice yourself. And what I mean by that is also to to apply it in a sense to allow, and I mean now certainly the fellows in the, in that are in the leadership program and in in the forum, but in general uh, everybody who works with me, to allow the people really to reflect on themselves and the, the, as leaders. Um, this is a very difficult thing because I think you're only a good leader if you really know yourself. And if you are able to say, uh, how do I really communicate? Um, 
how do people perceive my, my, my leadership role and my, the way I, I do things, but also understand their role in a community or in a global context. And this needs reflection time. And I try to give uh, the people around me the, 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 the reflection time where you really take people out and say, what happens? What are we doing? Where are we? Where do we go? And yourself, you need it. We, I, I, I had to learn that I take the reflective time for me to become a reflective practitioner, to become a reflective leader. And you have to force yourself to do it. That's a great answer. Tiffany, you had the final word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's been most important for me coming out of this program is just learning how to listen. And not just for the sake of listening, but really to be able to synthesize what I hear from the people around me and turn that into a coherent vision that motivates the people around me as well. Uh, I think without doing that, you're dead in the water. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.